welcome back to Chicks and Balls, the podcast, a sports podcast by women about more than women's sport. On today's show, it is raining pay rises for the girls across a lot of footy codes, and we preview the NRL Indigenous round, which is coming up this weekend. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Marley Silva, and as always, I am joined by my fantastic co-hosts, Georgia Moore and Keely Silva. G Moore, you're actually the only one who's with me currently, but Keely will be joining us later in the episode. (laughs) The context for that being um, that she's actually helping me out with some stuff around the Indigenous round, which we'll get into later in the show. Um, But for now, G, how was your week? My week was good. It's my first official week of work over here. So well and truly settled into the lifestyle now. Um, the UK weather has decided to show its true colours. So ah. it's been a bit rainy and cold. Um, but other than that, my week was great. I have no complaints. How was yours? My week has been admittedly stressful. Um, working on a lot of things, trying to get boots ready for the Indigenous round and just all the other millions of jobs that I do, trying not to freeze on the sideline at a couple of footy games. But I'm feeling more relieved as we go to record this evening because I just feel like I'm on top of things. I don't know if I've lured myself into a false sense of security, but we will find out in the coming days. (laughs) And with that, we'll now throw to Keely, who will be with us by this point um, for our first segment. Feedback feels with Kiehl's. Thanks for joining me for undeniably the best segment of the show. Wow. Yeah. Sorry about it, but not sorry. Um, always a pleasure to be in your guys' presence. <laughs> Marley just gave me a weird look. Anyway, moving on. I've only got two feedbacks this week. Um, one of them is to a friend of the show, friend of mine, I should say, um, and a listener. His name is Jack Bush. I've spoken about him before. He lives in Perth now and he wanted to share with us. He liked the content from last week. He needs to also back up the fact that Ubers are really bad in Perth. Ah. Um, also cancel a lot, but also double in price very quickly. Ah, so he's trying to get to the soon. AFL. Went from like 56 to 96 bucks. Wow. Yeah. So wow. just so you know. Wow. <laughs> Wow. wow. <laughs> oh, Wilson. <laughs> oh, um, my second one is from none other than Gabrielle Crotty. Hey. Surprise, surprise. This one's actually funny and I feel like this could be a little game if you like netball. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, she sent us a little thing from Mamma Mia on Facebook and basically they've given certain people – um, netball positions just based on who they are and mm. what they're like. And she said, this is what I think you girls would be. Marley, center, G is goal attack, Keely is goal defense. I would like to know why I'm goal defense. Because you're aggressive. aggressive. <laughs> well, she got me, right? Blunt. Yeah, you are center. Um, which is a bit of a fun one. It's like those personality quizzes. I feel like G's a midcourt. You reckon? Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like Senna, it's like that leadership, like. Yeah. Which is like you. Yeah. <laughs> um, goal attack. See, but I don't know. I don't I don't see G as a goal attack. I see her more wing as a wing attack. attack. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I can. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it doesn't matter. And I just, because I know you were a shooter growing up and I'm like, you're a shooter. I know, but like I wouldn't put it past people to think I'm a goal defense. Well, you didn't see how she defended as a shooter. She used to get into his houses with nah, goalkeepers. A little bit, not really. Mm. Maybe a little bit, yeah. Mm. 
Um, and apologies for my absence in the beginning. Yes. My week. My yes. week was good. I am um, slightly absent this episode. Um, two reasons. First of all, I've got to be a physio. <laughs> um, I am busy rehabbing some boys from Howard Mats, uh, as per usual. They take up my time in my life. Can I just flag with the listeners as well that because there's been a few irregularities, I guess, with our recording schedule, with who's present, who's not, and now, yeah, like this sort of weird mismatch of me being a part of two recordings and not all three of us being part of one. That is obviously because Georgia Moore lives in London. Yes. Which is a very different time zone. So we're just still figuring it out, but we're going to get there. We're getting there. Hang in there. I've also been helping Marley with Cultural Choice Association, which is a non-for-profit organisation, and they organise boots to be painted for the players for this um, weekend in the NRL Indigenous round. They get young Indigenous kids to paint the boots, and they're all outstanding. Uh, You'll see all of them this weekend. Um, But a few of them, there's a deadline, and there's some boots that aren't completely (laughs) finished. So... Kelly Silver's come in and saved the day. Please. And you. yeah, I'm finishing those two. So hence, appreciate hence it. Hence the absence. Appreciate it. Yeah, no worries, mate. Is that the end of Feedback Feels with Kills? Yeah, I think so. Thanks, mate. No worries, mate. Now it's time for a segment that we call Around the Grounds, where we dive into the biggest headlines in sports media from the week gone by. And gee, isn't this an absolute beauty? One that we talk about a lot to do with female athletes, money that they're earning. What did you see during the week? Um, well, I think the women's soccer came first in the United States, which, States, which they have been campaigning for for quite some time. Um, so the US soccer's historic equal pay deal represents a hard-won piece with the new collective bargaining agreement announced Wednesday by U.S. Soccer and the Players Union, the milestone agreement makes American national governing body the first in the sport to promise both sexes matching money, which is massive. If you know anything about soccer, even if it's as little as I do, it's that the American girls are really bloody good at it and that they've been showing the men up for quite some time on both uh, local and international stages so I think it is a great win for the women of US soccer and it's really exciting to see. I wonder what the response is like from the US um, kind of fan base because, yeah, like you said, the general consensus from most fans of the world game um, is that those American women and their competition is, you know, well above the men's um, so you know how usually when this sort of stuff happens, even when, you know, the equal payments happened for the WSL and the tennis and golf, um, there was this sort of uh, not not backlash, but questions of do the women actually, you know, play at the same level and should they be? And I just think here there would be no response like that. Yeah, you'd imagine so. And you just wonder if we're a little bit removed from the sort of echo chambers that exist in the soccer world in the U.S., It's not something that you see a lot of on the news. The domestic competition isn't particularly world-renowned now that Beckham's gone, at least. So I'm sure that does exist. I just don't know if we're sort of tapped into the right communities to hear about it. But widely, in terms of the media publicity around it, in terms of everything I've read on it, there hasn't been too much of that. So you wonder if there is some sort of acknowledgement there. I mean, the women have been out 
selling out crowds, bringing in more money and commercial stats than the men for years. So it is sort of one way you can point to the stats and be like, they have well and truly earned this. And what it means as well is that America are subsidising uh, equal pay and prize money for all world competitions as well. So now that even if the, like, for example, the Euros or the World Cup or whatever don't pay the same money for the men's and women's team, the US team will be receiving the same money. So oh. it's really across the board for them, which is unreal. That is so good. And, I mean, the good stories just keep coming this week within this realm, right? Because the next thing we saw was uh, back at home in Australia, the announcement from the um, AFL and the AFL Players Association. Um, a few weeks ago, we spoke about the fact that uh, a few of the AFLW girls were questioning, you know, when was the start date of the season and trying to organise their lives. And not only do we have that answer now, but we also have a very uh, impressive increase to their pay. Yeah, for sure. So the AFL and AFL Players Association, like you said, have agreed a one-year collective bargaining agreement, um, which does confirm their start date for August and also uh, increases salaries by about 94% across the board. So the minimum salary has almost doubled, increasing from 20,200-odd to about 39,100-odd. And the top tiered players, which are about two per club, now go to nearly 72,000 up from just 37,000. So across the board, it's massive um, and it's really exciting for the girls, I'm sure. Still a long way to go, of course, in terms of men's salaries. And we, you know, we'll never say that we've completed this fight, but um, exciting. It certainly is. And I think it, you know, relative to how long the girls' seasons are, um, that's something that we need to take into account when we're measuring where it's at. I think that, you know, most people in the AFL world expected a pay increase, but I don't know if it was that much. The response from a lot of the AFL W girls was like shock and this is going to change my life and this gives that security. And I think it means um, for most of the girls, they can take time off full work and be full time for footy for that season um, which is what we've been talking about mm. I think since the competition started that's what they've wanted and now we have all 18 clubs being a part of the AFLW season seven um, and it's going to mean that they can really dedicate themselves to this and, and bring probably the best season we've seen also having it in August not having to pay in like the disgusting summer weather is probably really good and I remember hearing one of the girls say like uh, just after the last season, that it, uh, if they did have a season starting in August, it means that they'll actually get a, a Christmas and New Year's period like the rest of us because they've been doing pre-season all the time ever since it started. Yeah, absolutely. And just I think they can sort of leverage off a bit of the hype around the finals period for the men's game. Um, like you said, there's still a long way to go. The length of the season is much shorter and crowd numbers and all of that stuff are still so varied. But it's a step in the right direction because – it does allow these women to become full-time athletes for the periods that they need to, which is what we keep coming back to until you give them the support to put 100% into their game. Their game's not going to grow 100%. And I think, like you said, we chatted about this a few weeks ago when they didn't know when the season was starting. And I think probably most of them would be pretty happy that it's like, you know, that decision was delayed a few weeks in order to get this all done at once. But also at the time I mentioned that, I was hopeful that the stepping down of Gil McLaughlin didn't 
uh, slow momentum in the women's game. And I think it's just really exciting to see that not only has it not slowed it, that the new executives are really committed to the women's game at a level of 94%, which is pretty bloody impressive. So still exciting news all around. And I'm excited to see what that brings to the new season for the girls and a cooler season as well, which will be great. I'm really looking forward to hopefully seeing a curtain raiser to a men's game at the MCG. And you know the foot, like obviously you know better than us, G, what it looks like when the MCG is absolutely packed. And to try and get something close to that um, from a women's game in August would be unbelievable. Oh, it would be one of those moments where it's just like a chills when you see them run out and stuff. It would be really exciting if you got like a couple of Melbourne teams in some sort of derby going on there, it would be very cool so yeah it'll be awesome to see the seasons run in conjunction and yeah like we said sometimes that summer period isn't when Aussies are most committed to sport other than cricket so it's good for the girls to get that gap filler in there and then to top off this pay rise chat the news has come out that for the first time we'll have at least two NRLW players on a six-figure salary. Um, it was a bit of a shock to some uh, NRLW fans last week when uh, Broncos stars Millie Boyle and Tamika Upton, uh, Millie being one of the joint winners of the Dallium, uh medal for this most recent season and Tamika um, undeniably being one of the best fullbacks that we have going, um, signing with the Newcastle Knights. A massive change. They've been part of that Broncos system since the NRLW started, uh, but the Knights certainly need some superstar power and they're getting it in those girls and they've secured them with uh, contracts worth over a hundred grand, which is unbelievable. When I've had conversations with a few people at NRL clubs that have NRLW teams, how that process works when this it's the off season for the girls is that they slip into the community team and, and do continue to work for the club. So they are a hundred percent full-time outside of the footy season um, as well. So that's how that works out and how, how it'll work for the time that the girls are there. But I just think this is unreal. And again, in the same way that we're seeing in the AFLW and even like in, in saying this, this is not where the NRLW felt 12 months ago or 18 months ago, um, but the urgency is there. And I think this has got to do with how successful this most recent season, recent season was. And it's amazing to see um, in, incredible athletes like, you know, Uh, Tamika and Millie here being rewarded with this yeah absolutely and I think like I mean the pay is fantastic absolutely but the idea that big stars are starting to get traded a little bit and we spoke sort of towards the pointy end of the NRLW season last year that it is nice to see teams putting it to the Broncos Um, it's nice to see the talent Diluted isn't the right word I'm looking for, but spread out a bit more and starting to see a genuine competition where there's genuine contenders that aren't just the Broncos. And, you know, I'm sure it'll be really sad for both the Broncos and the girls who have been there since the beginning and, you know, sort of built that dynasty to move on. But I think that speaks to a really exciting time for the game. I have no doubt, like you said, that it's off the back of the success of this season, but it's just so exciting to see that, you know, teams are willing to pay big bucks to get big stars to be competitive in this competition now. And I think that all that can do is bring more fans because if you didn't know before, people are going, oh, six figures, maybe I'll tune in and see if she's worth it sort of thing. Like, to, you know, it's bringing people to the game. It's bringing a figure of, you know, you can recall 
massive deals. Think about when Jason Tamalolo signed for all those figures and, and people started paying attention to the cows in that slump in their time. So I think, obviously, while we're not talking millions a year, um, it's an exciting period for the NRL to, w to be in where they've finally reached a point where, you know, the trading matters and who's going where is all that people are talking about and, you know, that it'll be a really genuine finals period next season. The last thing I want to say about that is, yeah, the girls get money. I love it. And the next thing we wanted to talk about on Around the Grounds is a very special weekend that is coming up in the NRL. It is, of course, the annual Indigenous Round, which focuses on creating space for and learning and educating Australians about Indigenous culture, as well as encouraging the rugby league community to take a few key actions to be a part of the change. So this year, the theme of the round is Pass Back, Move Forward, which aligns with the 2022 National Reconciliation Week theme of Be brave make change so the nrl is challenging fans to learn the land and learn the history through knowledge and respect for the traditional custodians of the land on which they live and experience the game this is a special week always there's always incredible showcases of culture and communities connected to each of the 16 clubs and also spotlights on the very proud Indigenous uh, men who play in the game, as has been the case uh, for many decades now, the uh, percentage of, of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander players in the NRL and now the NRLW as well um, surpasses population parity. So there's around 3% of Australians who identify as Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander, but in the NRL that is above 12%. So we really punch above our weight in this space. Um, we've been a part of the game since its inception and there's been a lot of barriers that have been broken um, through through the NRL. So it's always something that's that's really, really exciting. So there's going to be a lot going on throughout the week. You would have seen a lot of it uh, by the time you're listening to this episode. And we wanted to start by kind of just reflecting on on what we love about it. So I'll go to you, G. Keely's still not here, so it's not like I have another option. <laughs> but what, what are some of the standout things about Indigenous Round that you've seen over the years? I think for me, it's just such a good time to learn. Like, I think that, you know, we're always, well, me personally, I'm always trying to read more and learn more and listen more particularly. Um, But it's a real opportunity where you don't even have to put any effort into it. And it's just displayed in such a beautiful way. I think, like you said, the, you know, 12% of our game are Indigenous people. And I just feel like they do such a phenomenal job of representing Um, they're such passionate boys and I just love watching them. They just come alive. There's a different light in the eyes of these players at this time of year. I love hearing stories that you never thought you heard. Like, you know, mate and mate of the show, Nico Hines, like his story is so phenomenal because he had no idea for such a long time and it was really coming into the NRL that introduced him to that experience. And I think those personal stories that you get out of the week are so special i'm sure a lot of people by now have seen the photos that the cronulla sharks did during the week like that stuff just sends chills down my spine and i think it's such a great opportunity for everyone involved in the game to you know just take a moment and see how much more this means for so many people but yeah it's exciting i think it's 
almost like an origin feeling because you just know you're going to get these insane performances out of these players. They really step it up during the week. And I think that I like actually just gave myself goosebumps talking about it. I think it's, um, it's exciting footy because it goes to another level this week. It really does. And um, I'm ready for it. I'm excited. And the jerseys. Love. Yes. Love seeing them. So excited every year to see all the designs. I think it's awesome. It just, it's, a, it's a great week for me. Yeah, you're right. They do um, all these these players who feel like they're they're carrying their mob and their their family out on the field um, seem to to lift to that other level. I think you know, like the Indigenous All Stars is, is such an incredible event, but it often feels like that's a space um, that's not exclusively only for our community, but it's more inward facing and more about you know talking about family in a really specific kind of way that's for us whereas indigenous round feels like it's for all australians like it's often how we talk about um reconciliation week versus nadoc week so rec week being about how non-indigenous people reflecting on on what they can do and and like what the nrl is asking for this year learn these things um, actively go out there if you're going to a footy game this weekend knows whose country you're on you should also know whose country you're on where you live or where you work and that's really easy to just do a little bit of a google search one of the very cool things um, being done by the melbourne storm is is they followed the lead of the melbourne demons in the afl and they're referring to themselves as the nam storm um, this round which is really really cool nam is the traditional name given to the melbourne region Um, the sharks have followed suit referring to themselves as the Coronella Sharks this week, which is the traditional Darwin name for Cronulla. So it's stuff like that. Like people love learning that stuff. Like, and it's the stories that they're wearing on their jerseys, like you said, and it's the communities that they're engaging with. Like every single game will have a welcome to country from an elder from the region who probably share a bit of a story. And yeah, like it's, it's, it's so fantastic. I think also like, Obviously, this becomes very personal for myself and Keely. Like every year, I see the look in dad's eyes of how badly he would have loved something like this. I think it brings a lot of, of strength and it definitely has an impact on the our, our mob in broader community as well. Like it, when you see yourself reflected on a stage that's being celebrated, um, yeah, of course you're going to feel – you walk a little bit taller or feel a bit more excited. Um The other thing I've been thinking about, because obviously the AFL's Indigenous round started last week and it will have its second week this weekend, which I like, that's awesome as well because it means that both all teams get to have a home game. Um, But the thing that I've been thinking about is they call their round the Sir Doug Nichols round, so after a prominent Aboriginal man. And we don't do that in the NRL and I feel like we have such an opportunity where we could do that. So... I was thinking, I'm going to put it in the universe. Why couldn't we be called the Arthur Beetson round? I mean, there's so many you could pick from, but he's the one I, I kind of, you know, first thought of these things. He was the, the first Aboriginal man to captain Australia. Yeah, it's not something I thought about. Well, actually, that's a lie. Because when I was looking at the content coming out of the AFL last week, I was thinking, and it actually made me go and actively Google Sir Doug Nichols. Um, because while I'd heard the name used, years now in the um, AFL Indigenous round I never really looked into who he was and like just a super impressive man and a really awesome story so I did sort of think about it for a beat last week when I was posting on Instagram um, that amazing photos of the Tigers doing their pre-game spectacle and I hadn't really thought about who you would go for in the NRL but I think it 
does attach a certain level of emotion to the round. I think it's sort of, yeah, even if it is just people understanding who that was and why that was so significant and also how recent that was, just for, you know, to take a step further into looking about how much has changed since then. Um, but, yeah, I think it definitely, it's just a bit emotive when you put someone's name and attach a story to it. So I think it would be awesome. Even if the game wanted to do something, like I think Alphabet's and his well and truly are the right to have the entire name um, round named after him. But even if each year they did like a different player and like each year was in sort of dedication to a different player who would come through the game and then, you know, you know in 10, 20 years' time we're going to have the Greg Inglis round or the Jonathan Thurston and then it sort of like keeps growing and you have that opportunity to reflect on their story and their country and their mob and that sort of stuff. I think that would be cool. Again, we should, we should if you're listening, NRL, take our ideas. <laughs> you're welcome. Yeah. So what would you um, say are, are some of the standout games to watch in this? I automatically go to, you know, a lot of the teams that have a high uh, Aboriginal population in them. There's quite a few now, like Cronulla has heaps, Dragons have heaps. Obviously, South always has a, a fair few repping, but so do the Bulldogs. And, and I don't know, I don't think there's a team that really doesn't have um, a lot of representation, but is there any game that you're particularly looking forward to? Yeah, I mean, historically, I've always loved watching the Storm game. We have a little less representation this year than we sort of have in the past because Cronulla and the Dogs have stolen our stars. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm really excited to watch those boys particularly. I would say seeing Josh come alive and Nico as well, it's exciting. But yeah, I think you definitely lean towards the stories that you hear throughout the week. But yeah, I'm really excited for those two games in particular. Just on Josh and Nico, that's one of my favourite things that Nico does when he talks about his journey is talk about how much of an influence Josh was on him to kind of walk around as this like very proud like yeah I'm I'm black and I, I love it kind of thing like you remember when Josh did the kind of Nicky Wimart homage and, and lifted his shirt and, and pointed out his black skin um, during an all-stars and, and he's been so at the forefront of this in the same ways that Latrell Mitchell has but that's something that's beautiful as well this this brotherhood and and that's kind of what it's all about as well. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever seen someone prouder of their heritage than Josh. I love it. And it, like, I think I'd probably be speaking for most people who are at the Bulldogs now as well, but who have been involved or around the storm at all. He injected this unbelievable life and understanding and interest and, you know, respect for the culture when he arrived at the club because he just is so outwardly proud and always happy to take the time to talk to you about it or teach you things or answer questions. So, yeah, he was amazing. Like, even for me to see that sort of passion and just, like, he is such a larrikin and so loud and so, like, boastful about everything. So it's awesome to have someone who is just, like, unapologetic in that way. So it always makes me excited watching him play when he feels so revved up about a cause. Oh, it's so good. Um, and if 
you are looking for different ways to sort of engage and, and be a part of this round as the NRL is encouraging every single fan. You can go to the NRL website and they've got some awesome resources of not only how to find more information about the country that you're on, um, some of the stories that are out there, but also how to buy from a from an Aboriginal business. Like quite often um, the best way that you can support uh, our mob and their kind of self-determination to, to build the future is to support businesses, buy some hectic kit from Clothing the Gap or, you know, so many different amazing brands out there and get around it. You the real MVP. Now it's time for a segment that we call MVPs, where each week we award someone or something our own personal MVP title for something that they've done, something that's brought us a bit of joy. Georgia Moore, kick us off. Who's your MVP? Um, My MVP is actually the English Premier League. Now, I know Keely is our resident soccer gal, and maybe this is really ignorant of me, but prior to Sunday, I had no idea that the final round of the season, all of the teams play on the same day at the same time as to avoid any bias in final point scoring and ladder changes. If you're not aware, the EPL doesn't have a final series. It is just whoever finishes on top wins. And the last five years, it has come. I've learned all this on the weekend, and now I'm, like, invigorated about the EPL. (laughs) The last five years, it has been unbelievably close between Liverpool and Man City, um, and it was down to one goal in the ladder at the end of this year. So they play same day, same time, so that no one can interfere. And basically what needed to happen is that Manchester needed to draw or lose and Liverpool needed to draw or win in order for Liverpool to win. And we were going for Liverpool in the house that I was watching and they were drawing one all and Man City were down 2-0. And then Man City, so we were like, Liverpool, all they need to do is score a goal. They had 20 minutes left and all they needed to do was score and win to overtake. Man City came back in the last 20 minutes from 2-0 down to win 3-2. Liverpool won 3-1 in the end, which was so sad for Liverpool because quite literally they did everything they could. There was nothing else they could have done. Man City just won, which meant they won the comp. So basically they have two trophies sitting at both locations, sometimes more if it's closer between more teams on the ladder. And then, yeah, Man City won. And it was insane. So households all over England are like flicking between games. And also the other really cool thing was all the Liverpool fans in the stand obviously knew that Man City needed to lose. So every time... Aston Villa, who were the team they were playing, scored, which was 2-0. Like, the Liverpool crowd would erupt like it was a goal at their own stadium watching. So they've all got, like, earpieces in or, like, keeping up on their phones. The players on the field kind of get an indication that something's gone (laughs) right at another stadium halfway across the country because the crowd is so loud and the commentator's like, oh, you can hear the crowd. That means Aston Villa have scored. Like, it was just the most insane experience. So potentially very naive of me. And if you're a soccer fan, you're probably like, yeah, obviously that's the best part about the whole season. But it was just a whole new world for me and I loved it. And the Man City fans stormed the pitch like nothing I have ever seen before with blue flares and all sorts of carry-on. They broke the goals. It was mental after the game. Sadly, 
the Aston Villa goalkeeper did get a bit trampled and Man City have come out very apologetic and vowed to ban the fan. So that was a bit of a downside. But unbelievable scenes. And now that's Man City's fourth EPL win in five years. Very impressive dynasty coming out of there. I had no idea about any of that as well. So thank you for educating me. And also, would it really be an English soccer game if someone didn't get hurt? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, everyone was like, it was the last weekend of the season. I was like, oh, okay, so like, what are the important games? And they were like, no, no, all of the games. (laughs) And I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) Far out. They are nuts over there, but we love them for it. Um, Yeah, and very impressive from Man City, like you said. My MVP. What is your MVP, My MVP is the one and only... Cody Simpson. What a guy, right? We know we've watched his comeback into swimming. We spoke about the uh, Amazon documentary following him trying to get to Tokyo last year and he hasn't stopped. He hasn't quit. He knew that he was like a a bit of a no chance to go to Tokyo, but he's really committed to this, committed so much that he now has a swimming girlfriend, Emma McKean, one and only, absolute golden girl. And their couple debut is one for the ages because it was captured. Obviously, there were a lot of cameras on Cody in the final night of the Australian Swimming Championships because there was all things just up in the air about whether he was going to make the Dolphins for the Com Games. Big question marks. There was like a lot of journos trying to pit him and Kyle Chalmers against each other because Kyle used to go out with Emma McKeon. It's very like soap opera-y. I kind of wish there was a Drive to Survive kind of show about the swimmers because of this. But the moment that Cody finds out he's in the team, captured on film, he quite clearly can't believe it himself. And there's this beautiful kind of like cute moment where Emma hugs him and they are like very coupley and beautiful, but like a massive congratulations to Cody for, for doing this, I think. To, to come back in this way and now be going to the Com Games, it's pretty unbelievable. So crazy. We honestly love that for Cody. I hadn't, I didn't see that video and I had no idea about the Emma McKeon thing until I saw it that you'd written down. And I was like, wait, what? And I went and watched it and it's so cute, but he does just do the whole like, you can see he sort of opens his phone and then just like almost goes white and doesn't really do anything he just leans forward and covers his mouth with his hand like he's just in shock from the text which is so exciting but I mean very hot couple and very exciting so hopefully that goes well and so does the congat. <laughs> Keely Silver who's your MVP? My MVP is a dear friend of mine her name is Hannah and I had dinner with her on Saturday night she she's gonna probably hate me for doing this because she's would anyway she um has a page on instagram called hungry hannah eats it's really cool um she makes outstanding dishes and like shows how to make them you know um meal ideas studying nutrition um and we made rice paper rolls and i'm quite incompetent in the kitchen which she actually said to me uh which is fine but i was learning and i was listening um but shout out to her for being a cool like being a chef, being a side sideline chef, you know, love like that full time gig. But she's good at it, and her Instagram page um, is really good. And so can I say, can I say, when you nail rice paper rolls, oh they're my the best like go to thing to make for dinner, lunch, 
Maybe even breakfast. Well, I was stressing out because I've tried to make them before and they're so hard to roll and I just stuffed up last time and I didn't do it. I just like just made a salad. You just can't let the uh, rice paper get too wet. <laughs> anyway, I learned and I yes. did well. Anyway, moving on. Moving on. Now we come to our final segment of the show, which is our ones to watch, where we recommend what sport, event, or even a Netflix show you should be watching for the week ahead. I'll kick us off here. Already mentioned, obviously, get around the Indigenous round in the NRL. It's still happening in the AFL as well. So go and check it out. Learn some stuff. Um, But also in the world of NRL, this is the last chance that players who are in contention have to impress Origin coaches because the teams will be announced next week. Obviously, State of Origin is one of the best times of the year when it comes to rugby league. And there's so many questions about who's going to debut, particularly in the blue side, um, because there are quite a few people out. Obviously, there's a few friends of the show who are in contention and we're really hopeful that they get a name both in the Blues and the Maroon squad. Whispers about Paddy Carrigan, apparently, um, having a look in. Obviously, Katoni, Staggs, Nico. Hopefully, well, we're very biased. So obviously, we want our, our mates in there. There will be also mates who've done it before, Harry Grant, the likes. It's going to be very, very interesting and it's going to be state versus state, mate versus mate in a very short amount of time. So I'm really looking forward to that. Georgia Ball. We love Origin. It's on at like 11am basically over here. So me and a big group of our Aussie friends have all agreed that no one checks the scores or goes on socials all day and then we're going home to watch it that night for game one. So We're very excited. It'll be a massive test of my willpower. (laughs) I'm excited. My one to watch is, I kind of have to, only because it's the playoffs and we have a chance potentially by the time this episode goes live for the Warriors to be 4-0 and Western Conference winners. So hopefully that's the case. Um, The Eastern Conference is 2-all between the Heat and the Celtics. So very exciting times in that, but my actual one to watch is the James Corden spent the weekend with the McLaren team at the Miami Grand Prix. You probably saw some content of it. You almost definitely saw Lando and Danny Ricardo in bedazzled McLaren cutoff polos, but that video has finally gone live on YouTube. It's about 13 minutes of just James running amok in the McLaren team over the weekend and it's really funny and I just loved it. So go and watch that. It'll bring you a bit of joy this week. Yes, I saw the the crop tops. That looks amazing. They look like such a fun team. Like they're, they're definitely the team you're going to have a good time with. Absolutely. Lots of young energy. We love it. And Keely Silva, what is your one to watch? Uh, on the back of everything that's been spoken about and Marley mentioned it, my one to watch has to be Indigenous Round. It's such an important round for us and it's really exciting and I think the best part is knowing all these young kids who have painted boots um, for the players are so excited and they get to watch the game and like point out and say, hey, I painted those boots, which I'm pretty sure we spoke about last year um, in the same round. So I'll be that's what I'll be watching. We'll be at the Sharks game. Fins um, up. Fins up. Enjoying. Um, get around it. That's all I got. 
And that brings us to the end of this episode of Chicks and Balls, the podcast. Thanks for hanging out. Make sure you're hitting that subscribe button wherever you're listening. Give us a five-star rating too if you're really into it. Make sure you hit us up on Instagram. Tell us your things. We like to include it in our feedback feels at Chicks and Balls Pod. You can find us on Twitter at Chicks. And why did I start with Twitter then? You can find us on TikTok is what I meant to say next, which is also at Chicks and Balls Pod and Twitter. At Chicks and Balls. No pod. Good. There's a bit of a delay, so I had to wait a long time for you to say that. <laughs> oh, how good is it working just so internationally? I love it. Other than that, we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.